0: Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I am joined today by the lovely hosts of the most haunted city on earth. I am joined by Madison and Chris. Hello. Hello. How are
2: you guys doing?
1: We're doing great, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, we're doing super well. Yeah, it's it's fun to do um, a podcast across the Atlantic. Yeah, this is
1: our first uh, transatlantic uh, podcast.
2: Yeah, it's our first. Ah, well... Welcome. Welcome across the Atlantic. That's exciting. Yeah. I think this is actually our first podcast episode where we've had our guest virtually. Yes, absolutely. Instead of having them right here. So this
1: is fun. This might change the game.
2: I know. We're, we're, we're limitless now. <laughs> you can be worldwide now. Exactly. So listen, I
0: mean, before we get to the massive claim of the most haunted city on earth, because that is a big claim to make. It's tell arguable. Me, <laughs> who who are you what do you do and why are you here
2: so uh, we are both kind of ghost enthusiasts of sorts uh, Chris has been paranormally investigating for what like 40 years 40 now? years now yeah. yeah and I am the kid from the sixth sense and I can see dead people so <laughs> I was thrown into this um, world of paranormal but that's fine um so I got into paranormal investigating and things like that just because I could see spirits and it became my special interest of sorts. So uh, Chris and I, every time we got together, we would just gab on and on and on about uh, ghosts and things like that. And we're like, why don't we just put a camera in front of ourselves and just record it? And people seem to like that. So we yeah, started this podcast <laughs> pretty much. Um, We're also located in Savannah, Georgia, which is what we're claiming as to be the most haunted city on earth. We are kind of like a lasagna of the damned, if you will. We are a city built on top of multiple layers of bodies from various periods of time, even though... We're not as old as, you know, other countries in the world. We, we hold our own with our dead, for
1: sure. Yeah, we tend to, uh, to look at the, uh, the idea that if any city is going to have this claim, it's probably going to be the city with the most ghost tours. That is true. <laughs> like, how many people are capitalizing on your haunted history? And, and in this town, we have, well, nearly 200 ghost tours operating in a one-square-mile uh, Did
0: you say two hundred
1: yes oh yes yes, and that and that should give you like the indication of the the interest so you know when we say it's most haunted it's it's probably most celebrated haunting you know it, the 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 city that it seems to embrace it the most because it is from a fiscal point of view a city that really does capitalize on it versus you know because In other cities where there is a a lively ghost trade and, you know, certainly like, you know, if you're on top of the Paris catacombs or or London or or, or these cities that are ancient by comparison, certainly, uh, yeah, you know, you you could argue ghost for ghost that there's probably volume-wise more, but when you consider how many living people – all focus in and say, yeah, this place is haunted, my house is haunted, this is that that's haunted. You know, uh, Savannah is a widely, very accepting of its haunted traditions and its haunted uh, history. Uh, so, it, you know, that it is, a, it is an outlandish claim, but it is one that we're making more from the point of view of how widely accepted it is, how the people who live here really don't scoff it up. You know they they embrace it and they take it in, so um, so it is more more the idea of we are the we are a city that celebrates our ghosts.
0: So before we get into the ghost stories of the most haunted city on earth, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just accept the title now because you know you've made a ve- you've made a very good argument. Um, first question that I have to ask you because it's very important. Each of you, what is your favorite horror
2: film? Oh. Um,
1: so you know I it's weird because whenever talking movies and somebody asks for my favorite of anything um uh, there's about a dozen you know <laughs> there, there's 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 there, there's there's at least a dozen that's my favorite horror film uh but I've always come to the answer uh and, and, and don't come at me internet um my favorite horror movie is evil dead 2 I love it Okay that. and it's because answer. I just feel like the people who made it w- were really enjoying themselves. And I, and so as I'm watching it, I just get this sense of camaraderie and the sense of they went through something and that they, they, they banded together. It feels so very uh, familial to watch. And so it's, you know, it's not a scary, scary movie. I don't, consider it to be a horror movie of, of, of the standard sense. But there's a lot of good moments and a, and a lot of good, uh, you know, it's Sam Raimi's visionary kind of tactic. Um, you know, of, of recent history, I really love uh, the first Insidious. I thought was a really g- grand departure from what we were watching in horror movies for a long time. Uh, and, and to follow that up with the, the first Conjuring was an amazing, mm, you uh, know, yeah. modern ghost. Because ghost stories are were kind of passe for a while. People were 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 so focused on slashers and monsters that the ghost story really did just kind of take a back seat to it. And I love a good ghost. As a matter of fact, um, uh, if we went with television series, I'd say The Haunting of Hill House uh, and Mike Flanagan being probably my favorite modern horror filmmaker, um, I thought he did a brilliant job with that series.
2: So... I have an answer for the filmmaker side of me and then I have the answer for like what I love. And so the filmmaker side, um, I love the taking of Deborah Logan. I love oh, yeah. a good oh, yeah. possession Absolutely. movie and I think that one is geniusly done in the way that it's very, you know. Uh, It feels indie, but, you know, it is, like, a very well-crafted story.
1: And an amazing found footage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's, um, if you haven't watched The Taking of Deborah Logan, um, listeners, you definitely should go watch that. Because if you like a good Possession movie, very different from The Exorcist, obviously. But it's just super fun. It's creepy. The makeup effects are just so solid. Um, But for the comfort movie of my horror movies that I like, I love killer clowns from outer space. (laughs) I could watch that movie any day of the week. I love it, which is hilarious because I'm actually really freaked out by clowns. But the that movie just is so fun. The, it's just such a fun concept. I love oh, yeah. the clowns wrapping bodies in cotton candy, and, and like, the makeup
1: effects are tremendous. Oh, they're insane! Amazingly good.
2: Yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a fun thing. JT, my husband, and I, when we watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we have a tradition of eating fluffer nutters <laughs> while we watch it, which is white bread with peanut butter and marshmallow, marshmallow fluff. fluff. And we watch that, wow. and we just have a good time. Yeah, fluffer nutter. So.
0: I don't know if we can get marshmallow fluff here. I don't know if we can. I mean, I've seen it on, like, American TV and stuff. But, other like, I don't know if we can get it. I can't believe that was my takeaway from you guys talking about your favorite (laughs) films was, can you get marshmallow fluff?
1: No, no, that is an important question. It is. You need to find out.
2: (laughs) Oh, you can make marshmallow fluff, I think. You can take, like, regular marshmallows and melt them down with butter and make marshmallow fluff. I think that's
1: true. Maybe Amazon. Yeah. Buying it first before you go on the I'm going to make my own marshmallow fluff. Yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I I will say that your film choices are good film choices. Although I I I I don't like it when there's an elitism with films. I think you like what you like and I exactly. think it's I don't think it's ever fair to be like That's your favourite horror film? It should be this really indie, you know, pretentious, intellectual film. Sometimes I think the best films are the films that you watch and you go, like you said, Chris, that you watch and you go, I know you guys had a great time making this and I think that's that's often, that makes a film sometimes, is that feeling of camaraderie and stuff. Definitely. yeah. yeah. And,
1: and a lot of times it's, you know, who were you with the first time you watched it? You know, mm-hmm. were you with a great group of friends? Did you, you know, uh, a lot of times, like if, I, if I've gone to a movie theater and the experience was great, like the audience was great. Um, I remember I watched Warlock in the movie theater and we all hated it as a collective audience, but it was such a great experience. People shouting at the screen, yes. and, you know, just you know, talking and and trying to give advice to the characters, <laughs> and you know, it was just a lot of fun.
2: I know. So I, I, actually, no, I'm sorry. A-
1: it was Warlock Two, not not oh, the first Warlock. Okay. It was the second Warlock. The first Warlock I actually enjoyed. Hence, we went to the Warlock Two in the Absolutely. theaters, and then it was just terrible.
0: <laughs> so I have a question to ask actually while I have you guys about movie theaters in America. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if your ans- your, your um, anecdote about Warlock Two has has confirmed my seeing of things on TikTok, but people in in some American theaters is it does it depend on the film? Like people cheer. Um, yes,
1: we cheer, we oh scream, boy. we'll yell at the screen, and if you get the right audience for yes. the right movie, because like there's there are grades of movie. So if you go to a, a, a what you know is going to be a low budget horror movie, you can expect someone in the audience to be mouthing off. If you go to like a big blockbuster, they will <laughs> cheer when something amazing happens, but you know uh, otherwise they're generally respectful for fear of being. Beaten alive, literally, for, for for speaking out loud in in, in a in. Or in, in a you large go to movie.
2: these small little cinema houses. Um, there's one that's like an hour away from us, and it's a awesome little movie theater called The Sunray. Yeah. But JT and I went there one time to see the house that Jack built, and the tension was palpable in that room. It was a bunch of movie buffs that were like, I'm going to sit here and analyze this movie for hours. And Yeah, I'm you like, don't go to an
1: independent film house and make a lot of noise. Yeah,
2: you sit there, and you drink your beer and eat your popcorn, <laughs> and you like it. <laughs> it's, but
0: My mind is blown. Like... <laughs> I'm gonna, I have to go to America and experience an, an American cinema, and I kind of want to go and see like a big like Marvel movie or something in yeah. an American cinema so I can get the full experience. A Marvel
1: movie is full of hooping and hollering and screaming. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of uncontrollable emotions for, uh, for these movies. Yeah.:
0: Wow, I, th- that is just incredible, but sorry, I totally sidetracked that there completely. Oh, no No, That's, <laughs> That's
1: okay. an excellent question
0: so let's go back to the most haunted city on earth so what are your like what are your guys favorite stories about about your city what does it mean to you
2: well i am a huge history nerd i have always been a big history nerd and savannah is has seen a lot of tragedy in its existence it has seen Battles, We had the Siege of Savannah, which was like the bloodiest hour of the American Revolutionary War. We had like 1,200 French, American and Haitian soldiers that died in that span of an hour. So like if that gives you any idea, that was uh, in the confines of downtown Savannah. And then on top of it, we've had outbreaks of yellow fever every 25 years in our history. We have had ravenous fire because for some odd reason, fire burns differently in Savannah. And it happens so frequently. Um, And then on top of it, too, we have history of, you know, um, just burying our dead underneath Like building structures now. We've moved our cemeteries. We've knocked down headstones. There's a lot of reasons why we could be haunted because we break like literally every fundamental rule to not be haunted. So it makes sense. Um, As for like my favorite particular story, I love the um, just the history of yellow fever because uh, my favorite year being 1820. 'Cause we had six hundred and sixty six people die in the span of three days, which is insanity. And six 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 is not like just like a ooh ghost story number. Like that was the actual number, which is kind yeah, of interesting. Always gonna be a little yeah. <laughs> chilling. And um, basically that was just a traumatic way to go because you pretty much deteriorated rapidly. You kind of were gone within a week. Uh, when you had yellow fever, because once your flu-like symptoms had set in, they really couldn't do much for you. And so you would have jaundice of your eyes, your skin, your nails. You would bleed out of every orifice of your body. You would vomit blood that looked like black tar. And if you actually were wealthy enough ever alive to have a doctor come to see you, more than likely you were going to have bloodletting, leeches, or turpentine be your treatment. Um, so it was not fun, and then we, on top of it, took all those dead people and buried them in a big mass grave, and we still see a lot of spirits from yellow fever. I actually caught a spirit of what we think is a little boy, um, who was a child during one of the outbreaks of yellow fever in the Davenport house, which is my favorite house in Savannah, and, uh, he... Literally, I was walking through the house at night because I used to work inside that house for a period of time. And I was walking through it by myself showing JT on the phone on FaceTime. And we see this little boy cross from the hallway to the center of the room, put the bucket down that he was holding and just stare at us. And it was just like an overwhelming sense of just like... You walked in on something you were not supposed to be a part of, and mind you, I was wearing a period-accurate Victorian gown, so I more than likely looked like somebody who traumatized this child, so he didn't like me being there, and um, pretty much, and that was the first ghost JT ever saw, too, so it's like a super cool experience and we have a great photo of him and we put it on our tiktok uh but we can send it to you so you can post it if you'd like but yeah that would probably like yellow fever of 1820 those ghosts are all my favorite in my opinion because they're just fun to experience and they have such an interesting uh energy to them in my opinion at least but sure chris what would yours be
1: oh so uh yeah uh Whenever, whenever I talk about ghosts, I always talk about the, the, th- the three top reasons why the dead bother the living, uh, and to me, the three top in the world, like, you know, just consensus from going around the world and talking to people all over the world about what their local traditions are, what their local beliefs are, what, what their general beliefs about ghosts are. The, the top three conditions for haunting are desecration of grave is number one, like, Across the board, wherever I go, you're almost guaranteed a ghost if you do any form of desecration of grave. Knocking over tombstones, standing on the grave. Some people whistling in a graveyard is enough to guarantee you a ghost. The second is um, unfinished business, which I often uh, attribute to violent death, such as in war or or murder or you know, any time you die and there's more to be done you are oftentimes guaranteed a ghost. And then, last but not least, it's um, residual haunting, the idea that buildings are the same way, streets are the same way, that the activity of uh, a place kind of has the same repetitive energy signatures that allow for spirits to resonate with that behavior. So, you know, old buildings and things like that, uh, and and Savannah has all them all, and Savannah uh, yeah. does collect all of those you know tick marks on on the list of why is, uh, why is this place haunted so I go down that, and as far as favorite ghost stories, um, i I love listening to people 's ghost stories, so you know my favorite ghost stories are these personal ghost stories these. You know, they, they're, they're not these highly celebrated, highly known, you know, published stories. They are encounters that people have. Um, and, I, and I have this theory of, 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 of ghost stories and why we love them so much and, and how, how that authenticity comes down. It's always going to be if I tell you a story that happened to a friend of mine, you are now two people removed from the ghost story. If I tell you a story that happened to me, you're now one person removed from the story. Now, if I tell you a story that happened to me and we happen to be standing at the place that it happened, we're, you're a half a step away. That's, to me, the hierarchy of how to get a ghost story to really land on a person. And, uh, and that's when I started really collecting my own ghost stories and going out and getting my own ghost stories was, I got to go to this place that has a story so I can come back with my story. So I can say, this happened to me. Uh, but I find myself, you know, I, I've got this long catalog of, uh, of great stories from people who very casually encountered ghosts. And oftentimes it's their only ghost story, but it's a good one. You know, it's, it's so rich. So when you're asking me, what's my favorite ghost story of Savannah? It's the one that people tell. You know, that's my favorite ghost story in Savannah is the one that people tell.
2: And everybody in Savannah has a ghost story.
1: Uh, nearly really every do. single person I've ever asked. I actually took out an ad. In uh, It was called Creative Loafing. It was a little newspaper. I took out an ad asking, you know, if you have a ghost story, I put my phone number down. By the way, do not put your phone number in any publication <laughs> uh, because I got lots of calls and they weren't ghost stories. But uh, they were all scary. Uh, but I, I, I interviewed, gosh, thousands of people over the course of like four or five years. I would get these calls on a regular basis, and then people would refer and be like, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. You need to get this and this. So I used to just walk around Savannah sitting down with people and say, well, what's your ghost story? What is it? And they would tell these wonderful uh, and, and sometimes just jaw-dropping stories, uh, and oftentimes somewhere either before or after, they will amend it by saying, well, you know, I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah. But you just told me this insane story. And like, oh, but you know, uh, I, I don't really buy into it. And I'm like, but well, then what? What <laughs> What do you mean you don't buy into it? You, that was an incredible story.
0: It's funny when when I speak to people and I and the, people invariably say, oh, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a podcaster. And then they say, what kind of podcast? And I say, I, I do podcasts about ghost stories. Generally, they go, oh, f- yeah, I don't
1: believe in ghosts.
0: But there was this one thing that happened, and I'm like, OK,
1: that's exactly, fine. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the best stories come from um, diehard skeptics. Yeah. because you know that it had to be overwhelming in order for them to acknowledge that it was beyond their skepticism. So they, they only tell you the most amazing. I had a friend who went uh, uh, canoeing. He went canoeing on a river that is nearby, and it was like you know uh, Native American lands, and, and he was going canoeing, and, and they're they're going down, they're just riding the current, you know, they're not even rowing, they're just riding the river down, and he sees a canoe coming at him, like coming upriver against the current, but the guy in it wasn't paddling, he was just sitting, and he was wearing a like a blanket. And, and, and so he was completely covered in a blanket coming by, and it was this old woven blanket, and he's moving by, and my friend is like, does it have a motor? What's going on? And so as they're side by side, the blanket turns to look at him, and there's nothing inside the blanket. Ugh. And then my Ugh. friend says, but, you know, I don't believe in ghosts.
2: Okay. It's-
1: and I was like, what do you think that was? And he was like, well, that was, you know, some elaborate prank. I was like, what are you Why? talking about? <laughs> Why? who who benefits from that
0: <laughs> this is the thing because sometimes I like you know i love a good hoax and i love a good prank right but the thing about hoaxes is, is they're generally they come with a lot of infamy like loads of people get involved loads of people get sucked in by it a man on a motorless boat against the current who isn't a man who's just a blanket actually it's just a blanket moving through the river who exactly who's benefiting from that how is that how is that an elaborate prank
1: It's not not a good prank. It's not not a prank. It's a bad prank if it's a prank.
2: (laughs) It's also probably a really expensive prank to get something to float like that, like it's over a body. Just
1: for two half-drunk guys going down the river. It's like, we got them.
2: We got them. We got
0: them. That's incredible. That's such a... (laughs) bizarre little story. Oh, and, I, and the
1: way he told it, he, it, it gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Like, because he, 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 he was, he was very much reliving the moment. And when, when he, when he said he turned and it was just, you know, empty, it was like the blank was just hanging on this invisible form. I was like, <laughs> it's like, oh. I, I
0: like, I wanted did it make any noise. Like I am astounded.
1: <laughs> because I did. I, uh, you know, you, you follow up with a lot of questions and if I'm not mistaken, he was like, oh, we were screaming. So if it made a noise, we don't know.
0: <laughs> Cuz we were screaming too loudly at we this elaborate prank.
1: Yeah. yeah, at this elaborate yeah. prank.
0: <laughs> that is that is outrageous. And have you so you've kind of over the years you've collected tons and tons of stories from people from all around Savannah and like aside from canoe ghost blanket I don't even know what to call it Um, do you have like another story that really stands out to you you know one of those stories that really it plays on your mind before you go asleep at night
1: oh lord you know um like I said I I try to uh to go out and experience as much as I can to go to the haunted places and to, to talk to people but um the one story that like I like stories that have endings, if that makes sense. You know, I like stories that, that that are complete. And that's one of the things that looking for a ghost story really satisfies me. Like, um, I, I'm a highly phobic person. I'm very, you know, easily scared. And what what calms my nerves and what calms my anxiety about ghosts is knowing uh, uh, the story that I can kind of put the ghost into a frame that kind of keeps the ghost from coming out and, and eating my brains at night. So... Uh, Whenever I can get that full story uh, feel, I oftentimes you know, uh, cherish those things. And I have, I have several of them, but uh, one that always stands out is uh, it's, a, it's a house on Charlton Street, and, uh, and the woman who lived there, her name was uh, Dorothy. And what I used to do was I used to go around the city of Savannah, and I would just kind of like let my anxiety take the wheel. I would walk around until something about a place just made me feel uncomfortable. And there was this house on Charlton Street. Uh, it was uh, it was actually um, you know a, a duplex, two houses that were two townhouses uh, that were identical. And the uh, the one on the right, red brick. The one on the left, white brick. Somebody had painted over the brick with white, and that by itself stood out. It was kind of an eerie thing to do. Why would you paint brick white? You know. I know what brick looks like. You're not fooling me. So it was very much like a giant clown laughing at me in the middle of the night. You know, this white house that just bank it windows and, you know, red door, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a clown. So um the very next morning I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to whoever lives there and ask if they have any strange experiences. So like I go there the next morning, I'm I'm like, you know, knocking on the door and I'm expecting like the Adams family on the other side, you know, something really creepy and strange and you know, the door opens up with a big creak and standing in front of me is this elderly 80 year old woman and she's just sitting there and I was like oh uh, hi uh, I was wondering do you have any ghostly experiences any paranormal activity any supernatural happenings here at this house and she smiles this thin wide smile and she puts her hand on mine and she drags me into her house and she's like get in here and I go into her house and she drags me into the living room and she's super strong for an 80 year old and she gets me in there <laughs> and she throws me down on the couch and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking to myself oh please don't be a ghost because I don't think I can take this you know and she's like I just don't know where to start I just don't know where to start and I was like so this house is honest? She said well yes I was like uh start with the most recent thing what, what is the most recent thing to happen and she's like well let's see that'll be this morning Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now it's nine o'clock in the morning and I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, what what happened? And she's like, well, I woke up and I'm writing this down in a little notebook. I'm like, okay. And, uh, I I got dressed and I came downstairs into the kitchen and the ghost had made me a cup of tea. And I was like, what? the ghost made me a cup of tea. And so I'm like writing, uh, dementia. You know, she probably made a cup of tea, forgot about it, turned around. Oh. Uh, so I get up and I'm like, well, thank you very much. That's a wonderful story. And I start to leave and she calls after me. She says, oh, and the ghost likes to rearrange the furniture. So I turned and I looked at her and I was like, what? You see, she, ghost likes to rearrange the furniture. So I looked down and sure enough, there are deep gouges in the hardwood floor where the furniture has been moving. And I just couldn't imagine this woman was pushing her furniture around her, her living room. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, uh, is there anything else? Oh, he likes to rearrange the pictures on the wall in the, in the dining room. So I walk into the dining room, and I'm looking around. And it's just kind of weirdly, you know, normal dining room, and I'm standing there. And that's when I notice that it's getting incredibly cold. Like, I'm standing in the dining room, and it is dropping rapidly in, you know, uh, temperature. And, you know, this is an elderly woman. This is Savannah, Georgia. It doesn't seem likely that it could just get cold like that automatically. And as I'm standing there, there's a piano in the corner, and I just hear, bong, the sound of a key going down. And then again, bong, and I turn and I look, and I'm looking at the piano. I can see the key being depressed. And I'm like, is it a player piano? Is it anything like that? I turn and I look at her, and she's just smiling, the broadest smile. And she says, oh, he doesn't know how to play any music. He just likes to play with the keys. So I pull my little pad out, (laughs) cross out dementia, sit down, and I ask her, tell me your story. And she says, oh, well, I moved here right after my husband died. And so I was like, oh, do you think it's your, your husband who's haunting the place? She's like, oh, no, he couldn't make a good cup of tea to save his life all right, tell me your story. And she says, well, it all started with a cabinet in the kitchen. it just pop open every now and then, just pop open. And it had a little latch in it, so, you know, you click it shut, but it'd pop open. And I'd see that, it pop open, and i just start saying, well, hello there, every time it pop open. Hi, how you doing? And then it got over to the light switch, turned the light switch on and off. And I'd say, oh, you made the light switch. Well, good for you. Make it over the night switch, and pretty soon he's moving pictures and furniture. Finally, he's making me tea. So I'm writing all this down. I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, and you don't know any idea. Uh, tell me, what does he look like? And she's like, Oh, I don't know. I've never seen him. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, have you heard his voice? Does he have an accent? Did he say anything strange? She's like, Oh no, I've, I've never heard him. I'm like, So you haven't seen him and you haven't heard him. Why are you so certain that it's a he? And she makes this really sheepish smile. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And she says, he likes to watch me in the tub. <laughs> and I'm like. <sighs> oh, God, no. And I'm just shocked. And, and then she says, oh, I wear a bathing suit every time I go take a bath now. And I'm like, yeah, but not up here. <laughs> not in my brain. I'm, I've got octogenarian bath time going on in my head. So I'm like, OK, all right. And so I tell her that I'm going to look into the, the history of the building, find out you know, anything I can. And so you know, I go to the Georgia archives. I'm trying to figure this out. And I have a couple more conversations with her because I don't really find anything definitive. I can't find anything that really helps uh, identify her ghost. Um, years go by, and I, I, I form a team of investigators. And we're looking for places that will let us have overnights. And I was like, you know, I know a woman who really loves her ghost and ghost story. And she would let us in. So I go back to her house. And I, I want to say it was like four years later. I go back to her house. And I'm knocking on the door. And this young kid opens the door. And I'm like, oh, hi. Is, is Dorothy home? And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. She, she passed away. And I was like, oh, No oh, I'm so sorry. And so I'm walking down the steps. Dump, 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 dump. I get to almost the bottom step when something, like, grabs my arm, like, hard. And my whole arm just goes instantly numb, like, frozen, cold, numb. And I'm in my head going, oh, gosh, please be a heart attack. You know, it's like, please be a stroke. I I I'm not prepared. And I'm standing there, and this overwhelming sadness just kind of lights on me. And now I'm just, like, feeling like sobbing. My arm is frozen cold. I can't move my hand. And I find myself going back up the stairs. And I knock on the door. And the kid answers the door again. And I'm like, hi, uh, I know this is a weird question, but how did Dorothy die? And he shakes his head and he goes, it was suicide. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. I was like, she did not seem like the type. What what happened? Was there any signs? Did, was she was she depressed? And they were like, no, no, it took us all by surprise. We couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh my god, this is this is terrible. She just didn't seem like the type. He's like, I know, I know. I saw her just days before, and everything was fine. And I was like, well, did she leave a note? And he's like, no, there was no note. And I was like, well, if there was no note, no no signs, why why are they so certain it was suicide? And he's like, well, the police the police determined it a suicide because of the way they found her. I was like, how did they find her? And he said she was drowned in the tub. And I was like, wait, that could have been an accident. She could have slipped or something. He's like, yeah, but she was wearing a bathing suit. And the police believed that she was wearing the bathing suit specifically so that when her body was discovered, she would, you know, be modest. It turns out that a lot of suicides will dress for the occasion. Well, you know, they don't want to be seen, you know, or found you know naked or anything and and so I was just like huh and I realized I had to tell this kid that she was in a bathing suit because she believed she had a peeping tom ghost and that it wasn't a suicide it could be any number of things but I don't think she killed herself which I think gave her it gave the family relief because my arm warmed right up I could feel you know again I felt the the elation come over me, and I was like, I think that's what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to tell her family that she didn't die in sorrow or desperation or alone. And uh, and then that house remained empty for 20 years. Actually, I think it's still empty, so it's now going, it'll be 30 years in, so it's 26 years. So 26 years, this house, which is a beautiful house, right off a main square of downtown Savannah, worth millions upon millions and no one's occupied it huh. for this length of time and i have to believe in some small way that dorothy and her gentleman caller still reside there
2: that's so cute and so weird in so many ways <laughs> i was gonna make um
0: an elaborate prank joke sure. um, but then the story took a turn
1: and i was like <laughs> i can't make that turn. joke anymore well, no, you know it's it's one of those things because again, when I'm collecting stories, I you know I look for the natural beats that make sense to to share and you know uh, to condense it into that form that is very digestible. Um, all these events happened; they may not have happened as tightly as 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 I made them out to, mm-hmm. but for 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 storytelling purposes, and, and this is something that I truly believe you you want to be able. To deliver a story in 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 as digestible a thing as possible, um, but yeah, Dorothy's story will always stand out to me as one that that came off with this beautiful story. You know, it was it's a full story to me.
0: It is a full story, and it is a beautiful story. And look, the thing is, you know, whatever thirty years later, you're still here talking about Dorothy. Exactly. Exactly. And whatever amount of thousands of people are going to listen to a story about Dorothy, and there might be mm-hmm. some people. I'm pretty sure there's going to be lots of people in Savannah who are going to be like, "Oh, I, I'm going to go and see where that house is," or "I, I know that area," and they're going to be able to to relate the story to the area and all of those things. And I Absolutely. think that's really they important. They recently
1: pressure washed the white paint away, um, and I don't know oh. if it improved it or not. Because there's still, like, this faint discoloration of the brick, which makes it look not like its sister house. They are identical houses right next to each other. And so, like, there's a, a, a very vibrant red brick house and then this kind of strangely dullish house because <laughs> <laughs> they, they try to get all that white paint off.
0: Well, wow, that's that's such an incredible story. And I love the fact that she just let you in like a little you're like a little black eyed kid going knocking on people's doors. And she was like, she was like, get in. Come on. Worth we noting,
1: got it. we eyed kids come to Savannah. They'll be invited into almost any house. I, it's very true. I, 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 the, the story I just told you about Dorothy, I've actually done that hundreds upon hundreds of times. I've come up to people's houses, blankly knocked on the door and been let in. People are just like, oh, yeah, come on in. I got a, I got a great story. I, I, listen to this story. I mean, a lot of stories are just, like, encounters. Yeah. And, uh, and so encounters are different to me than stories. So, like, some people have encounters, and they're just like, you know, I had this sensation, and there was something behind me. And then, and that's it. You know, then, and that's the end of it. But it was poignant enough to them. It, it, it stirred them enough to be the, the moment that they, mm. that they truly connect with. But, um, but I do have a handful of those stories that are like Dorothy's, that are, you know, beat by beat, beginning to end
2: i wish my house spirit made me tea. (laughs) that would be nice oh tell us about your house spirit um so jt and i have a house that was built in the 1840s and our house spirit is named jim he actually passed away somewhere between like the 50s or so um But Jim is an elderly man as a spirit. And JT and I, when we first moved in, and we've talked about this on our podcast a couple times, but when JT and I first moved in, um, JT likes to have everything locked up. Like, he is very much so a guy who wants to have the deadbolt on. He's got to have the latch. He's got to have every door locked in the house um, because Savannah does have a bit of a crime problem. And so... Uh, Pretty much one, like the doors, especially the door to our, like our backyard would always be left open. And so JT would think that I was being forgetful and leaving the doors open. I'm like, well, I would never leave the door open. Why would I leave the door open? And we started realizing that it was a spirit of some sort Um, and JT's like, well, you got to talk to the ghost because this is not okay. Well, you can't have the doors being unlocked. So I was like, okay, whatever spirit is in here, you need to stop leaving the doors open because JT had caught it basically happening one time when he was home alone. He had specifically like checked to make sure he closed the door. And later on, even though he was home alone, never went to the backyard or anything like that, the door was wide open. And so after we had the conversation with the ghosts, and I acknowledged it, it stopped happening. But that was when I had a dream. And this has happened to me only a handful of times with spirits um, where they come to me and in their into my dream to make their presence known and give me a little bit of their story. But Jim did it in a way that was so vivid. I had a dream basically where I was in his body, essentially how he got murdered. And so pretty much he was in his home and two men broke in and uh, basically tortured him to death, and in the dream, he was tied to, like, the hood of a car, and they were driving him around and things like that, and until they eventually murdered him, and his murderers were never found, and so um, JT woke me up because I was screaming in my sleep, and he wakes me up, and he's like, Madison, are you okay? You're screaming, and And I tell him, like, Jim's showing me things that I don't want to see, And I open my eyes, and I see him standing there in the corner of the room. And I was like, oh, this is the spirit that has been trying to get our attention for so long. Now Jim is just kind of like a bad roommate, but he died a horrible, horrible death.
1: I meant to ask you this. Yes. Uh, uh, And I only found this out like two days ago. Do you think Jim was a cop by any chance?
2: It is very possible.
1: Now, I say this because just... Oh, gosh, it was last night, just last night. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who gathers historical documents, mm-hmm. and he, like, uh, is always looking for these things, and uh, he found out that the guy in his house brutally murdered a police officer in, like, 1904 or something, in the early 1900s. Oh. Um, but the the account sounded very similar. I was like, you know, I, I, I swear I recently heard about somebody being abducted out of their house and just, like, beaten down and driven around and dragged around and things like that. And I was like, I can't really place it. Uh, and, and the story was, he, everyone knew he had done it, but mm-hmm. he never got arrested. Oh. And, that he was never brought to justice.
2: That is fascinating. Yeah, I, wow. I, I, I,
1: I'll, I'll talk to him tonight and see if I can't figure out more
2: yeah. information. Wow. The saga of Jim is, uh, is continuing, apparently. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen,
0: it- we are figuring out facts of the paranormal <laughs> on this podcast in real time.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, um, it was a horrible, horrible death that he had. And I think he was just trying to have somebody realize, one, that he was there, but two, to actually like, understand how horrible his death was and to have sympathy for him. Because I don't know, I mean, like the people who had owned the home before us, they were an older couple who lived in Ohio, they really didn't stay in the house very often. So it's very unlikely that he had anybody who would have been able to encounter him in that way, and that he could tell his story. And I don't know if he wanted me to find his murders. I'm like, listen, Jim, I am not a detective. We can live coexistently. But I'm like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But yeah, he's. It's still. It, it's one of those experiences that I will never ever forget for sure. So.
0: So you, you've you had these experiences since you were a child, you were saying. So since you were literally a little one.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, my first experience with the Spirit was when I was three years old. Um, and my grandmother had passed away uh, when I was two. And so I had no memory of her whatsoever at that point and didn't even know what she would have wanted me to call her or anything like that because she was very, very um, sick because of alcoholism. So my parents tried to kind of keep me away from her mm-hmm. of sorts. And so when I was three, after she had passed, the I would wake up in the morning and I'd come down and tell my parents like, oh, grandmommy came to visit me, which is exactly what she would have wanted me to call her. And their eyes were just like, I'm sorry, like, what did you just say? And they'd be like, who came to visit you? I'm like, oh, grandmommy, she came in through the light, through the window, and she asked me like questions about you. Like, She basically would be checking in on us, essentially. Uh, she would ask me if I had any new toys that I liked or things of that nature, and this would happen for a long, long period of time, probably until I was about seven years old. And I could describe her exactly how she looked, like I could give details that I wasn't able to, I shouldn't have been able to comprehend, especially as a like small child. And um, so basically my parents were like, oh, our kid can see things that we can't, like that's crazy. And then we moved to Florida and that was when we moved onto a land that had Native American heritage. To it. So we built our house and I would account having these experiences because I had like a Native American family of sorts that lived in my room and they were very protective over me, probably because I was a child. So they were like, oh, got to, you know, protect the young one. And I would tell them all about, you know, these experiences that I would have where they would wake me up in the middle of the night talking to me or I'd see them in my room. And so that's just literally been my entire life. And then it progressively just got more and more um, coherent, I guess, for me, where I could see spirits everywhere. Like, it wasn't just in places that were considered haunted. It was like I could see Uh, spirits that died on the side of the road in car accidents. I could see them in just random places, and it wasn't always, you know, like historic spirits. It was like people wearing normal clothes, but I could tell the difference. So, yeah, that's just only gotten more and more so since I moved to Savannah where (laughs) every spirit's like, ooh, you can see me? Great. I've got a lot
1: of sensitive people to move away from Savannah for that very purpose.
2: I love it because of that. Uh, honestly in a weird way it's kind of comforting because it's like you feel like this support from spirits a lot of time that you don't get from people in a very strange way where they're like they're like thank you for like acknowledging me and it's like cool I feel like I have this cool connection with you that you're other people don't have so it's very interesting being able to see spirits for sure. So do you find it
0: cathartic or therapeutic to be able to have a platform like the podcast like your tiktok to talk about your
2: experiences very much so um i am i think we mentioned this in one of our patreon episodes um so if you want to follow us on patreon to hear more about this sort of stuff you can find us there but um i basically when i was a child i was very bullied And so the last thing I wanted to tell people was that I could see dead people because that's just given more ammunition to people. So it definitely is really nice to find this platform of people who enjoy hearing these stories because it's something that I really hid for a long time. Like everybody in my family knew that I could see spirits and they loved hearing me tell stories about things that I saw. But it was just something that was like, okay, if you're outside of my family, you don't need to know about this sort of thing because I don't like to give people um, ability to ridicule, essentially. Absolutely. Which I think a lot of people who have had ghost experiences can agree upon. People have a tendency to ridicule or say that you have schizophrenia, which I do not, for sure. Um, and so it, it's been very cathartic to be able to share this what now, um, 24 years worth of content, of you know, experiences that I've had that nobody's really gotten to hear about. Some of them, not even my own family have heard about. So, you know, it is, it's very nice. You have confirmed that it would
0: indeed be very tiring to be sensitive <laughs> and to have to deal with dead people all the
2: time. It can be. Some of them are very respectful, but then there are just some, especially when you start to be able to see low energy spirits, uh, like trickster spirits or just low, just like leeches of sorts or just energy leeches. They're the ones that are tiring because it's like, you know, you can't help but give them that energy because you're acknowledging their presence, but then they do things to act out. To be like, hey, I'm here. I'm doing this outrageous thing, and I'm like, please, will you stop? Like, can you quit doing that? You know, yeah, that is not for me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I spend most of my time uh, uh, very uh, don't. I don't want to see. You know, I, I'll, I'll I, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would not appreciate that.
2: That's all. very fair. <laughs> um, our theater where we are filming this because uh, we do an immersive horror theater we're in a haunted building which i mean it's very common in savannah it's honestly harder to find a place that isn't haunted
1: yeah you'd be hard-pressed
2: and um we've had a lot of spirits uh you know hang around in here but one of the most intense situations actually happened recently with a trickster spirit that we've had been uh like we've i've noticed at least lingering around he kind of You know, stayed outside for the most part, but he's kind of meandered his way in here because he knows that we acknowledge spirits and we talk about our Savannah folklore in this building. And he started. We have a character called the Hag, which is a Gullah Geechee, uh, which is one of the um, West African derivative groups in Savannah, and they have a creature called the Hag, which was usually seen during sleep paralysis. And so we tell that story in the show. And I and we started to notice that when the actor Leafy, when he would come out and he would do the Hag, we'd see the well, at least I would the trickster spirit. He would mimic Leafy's movements Which and is things very scary like that. Oh, it's so as, frightening! Yeah. Um, and one night, uh, about a month or so ago, Leafy came to me after the show, almost in tears, and he's like, "Madison, I just had the worst experience ever while I was out doing the Hag." And he was like, I felt like something was crawling with me. And then when I laid down for a portion of the show or of the scene, he lays in the bed and he's being subdued with the coin. He's like, I felt like something was trying to get into my body. And I had this like out of body experience uh, where I could see myself and I could see the spirit that looked like the hag. And I was like, Leafy, the trickster spirit's been trying to mimic you because I don't know what it is about you or like about the character that but the it's impact re-
1: of the character exactly is exactly what the a trickster spirit would want.
2: Yeah. So I'm like it's trying it was trying to get an intense reaction out of you because it needs that energy. I'm like but what he's like, well, am I, am I going to get possessed? Like, I don't know if I like want to do that role. If, you know, if I'm going to get attacked by a ghost or something, like don't worry about things like that. That that spirit is such a low energy being. It can't really do anything to you, but it's all about conviction with spirits. When you experience something you don't want to see, if you have more conviction than that spirit, can't really do anything to you because they are at a disadvantage already. Being yeah. Not in a not human form of this,
1: form. Yeah, of not this, this
2: human yeah. form, and so that kind of brought a little bit of relief to him. But it was one of the, uh, the more frightening experiences to happen in this building, and also just like very interesting to meet somebody who had been through that because I've always heard of cases of things like that happening to people, but I never met anybody in person who had an experience of that nature where the spirit was just trying to be so aggressive with their mannerisms and you know things like that so super interesting spirit oh absolutely for sure i definitely want to come to savannah i've like added it to my
0: list of places to go in america but i also want to come to your immersive theater because that sounds like it's right up my street
2: oh it is so fun it is super super fun um we have crafted it in a way that's a little bit different uh we were inspired actually by the london dungeon um to do, you know, an immersive thing of that nature. But we made it solely based out of Savannah's folklore. Oh, yeah. And we try to make it as historically accurate as well. Bec- but it's easy to do that in a place like S- Savannah because our stories are just so horrific yeah. in mm. their nature. You don't really have to add to it to make them scary. And um, But it, it's super fun. Our monsters are creepy as hell. And, you know... Uh, we have, like, the possession um, scene with an exorcism where you literally get to throw holy water on a person, which is just always a fun and who doesn't time. want that? Exactly. Who hasn't imagined themselves in the position
0: of the priests and the exorcists? Like, who hasn't? You know, come on. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. It's been an absolute pleasure to listen to you both. Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much for having
1: us. Yes, absolutely.
0: Can you fill us in on where to find you, what you're working on, what links you can share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find us on pretty much every podcast platform. Uh, we have links on our TikTok, which is the Savannah Underground. And on our Instagram and our link tree, you can find literally links to anything you want. The, the theater, the tours that we do, the podcast, We have two podcasts. Currently, we have, obviously, The Most Haunted City on Earth, which is our main podcast. But if you're one of those ghosty people that just love, you know, uh, content constantly flowing in, then you can also check out our other podcast, From One to Wicked, which is pretty much uh, JT and I sit down and explore spirits from all over the world, and we rate their malevolence on a one uh, to wicked scale, which is super fun. Um, So definitely check those out. Patreon, of course, is awesome. Uh, We're patreon.com slash savannahunderground. We do all sorts of really cool content over there as well. So, yeah. Um, Chris, do you have anything you'd like to mention?
1: Uh, Not at present. Uh, I'm just sort of coasting for the moment.
2: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, Chris, you know, he's always full of fun stories. So just listening to the most haunted city on earth, you're just like, Getting the most interesting stories. That is
1: the the the, the, uh, the final result of years and years of just wandering around going, Hey, you got a ghost story?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I love that energy. Maybe I need to go start knocking on some more doors around Canterbury, although I don't know if I would be as as well received.
1: <laughs> well I think that, you know, with the the internet age, it's a lot easier to just put out in the world if you have a ghost story, you know, contact me. Mm-hmm. Uh, This was all like in the 90s um, and it was just a lawless land of ghosts.
0: (laughs) What a wonderful time the 90s were. On that note, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much to the listeners as always for listening. Please make sure that you go out, go and check out the most haunted city on earth. All the links will be in the description of this episode. And on that note, I shall see you next time.